This is the Mindvox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs. Mindvox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a triggering or sensitive nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description, so please read these before listening. Please note we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod or contact us, find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the name Mindvox Pod. Just a mini disclaimer at the start of this one, I did record this quite late at night when I am going through burnout and quite exhausted and what I've noticed on playing it back and editing it is that sometimes I've said people with autism, now that is not a term I usually use, you can see how tired I am and even reading some statistics where it's actually been written like that and not actually clocking that, hello, put it in my own words love. So I apologise if that offends anyone because I identify as autistic, not someone with autism, I am autistic and I am ADHD so if it does offend anyone please note that it really wasn't intentional and every time I do accidentally say that silly line please know that what I really meant was autistic people not people with autism because that is not correct so I do apologize and I'm not clever enough to edit it out I've tried to put different words in it but I sound weird so I have had to leave it in and I do apologize Hi everybody, I know it's been a good couple of weeks and I do apologise. It has been a really, really busy, emotionally quite stressful time and I didn't plan to take a break but these things happen. I think in the last few weeks I've noticed I am struggling more with a lot of things and sometimes something's got to give and in this case it has to be what is essentially my hobby, which is this. I do apologise if you can hear some little noise in the background of this. I do not have the skills to change this, but that's what happens when you ask for a nice mic for your birthday and it seems to pick up way too many sounds. <laughs> I should have stuck with the cheapo one. But yeah, I think it's my fridge and I can't change that. And this actually fits in quite nicely because maybe a lot of you didn't notice that, but I am acutely aware of noises and it drives me crazy. And it's part of my sensory processing issues that I'm learning that I have. And it fits in nicely with what I want to talk about today, which is female autism, particularly adult female autism. Now, the reason I really want to talk about this today is because it is something that I have been researching a lot for the last year. And very, very recently, it's become quite clear that it is something that is within me. So I've been looking into it hugely. Obviously, as you know, I have my ADHD diagnosis and that's been just over a year now. And even the psychiatrist that assessed me back then said at the end of it, yes, you have combined ADHD, but I'd also like you to go and look into an autism assessment. So that led me to my hyperfocus of what is autism and how is it presented, especially for females, because quite sadly, a lot of women who have autism, they tend to quite often be misdiagnosed with other things or just completely missed. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is the lack of awareness of how it presents in females. Because if we look back at all of the studies that were ever done were about autism and about ADHD as well, it's very similar. It was all mainly young boys, mainly white young boys to be precise. 
So when we're looking, or psychiatrists or doctors are looking at the DSM-5, where they work out if people have specific conditions, the studies used to aid the diagnosis and to give instructions of what it is was based on those studies. Well, girls can present very differently to boys with lots of conditions. So they're only realising now that you know, a lot of women have been missed essentially over the years, and I may have been one of them. So I really wanted to talk about it because also there's quite a high comorbidity rate of people that have ADHD who also have autism. Depending where you read, there's lots of different statistics, but I found various ones, but they are high numbers. I think one of them I read was the National Institute of Health have actually done studies and the scientific literature apparently says that 50 to 70% of individuals with autism also present with ADHD. That's quite a high rate of comorbidity so it's really worth taking into account if you've had a diagnosis of one of them to explore whether you also have the other one they are so so similar in so many ways but there are some very unique traits that each have that the other doesn't apparently so at the moment they are still classed as two very different conditions both neurological both involve the wiring of the brain being different to a neurotypical person so But they do have a lot, a lot of similarities, which I I suppose is why it can be quite common to misdiagnose or to not notice that someone might have both because one of them may take over a heck of a lot more. I know that when I've been doing titration with ADHD medication, as I've said before, I thought the meds were not working. But what I'm starting to realise is that they possibly are, but the autism now has space to shine because I think the ADHD took up my autism autistic sort of side was was trying to control that and deal with that almost like a parent dealing with a child (laughs) and now that child has grown up or has left for college or something it's now like oh okay I'm here let's make myself known then let's uh show you what I got that's how it feels I don't know if that's accurate it's just what come to mind as as an example but what I've been really intrigued to know is why so many women aren't noticed especially with with autism because it is there are a lot of traits that you would read and think well hang on if someone I knew had that I would have spotted that years ago in them if like a family member for instance I would have seen all of that but actually apparently I think the reasons that a lot of a lot of doctors have found is that women we're sort of socialized to mask our traits in a very different way and we mask and we learn to mask quite early on I wonder if that's because you know, typically they say that the female's sort of mind matures quicker, doesn't it? So it's something like one or two years behind um, a boy would be than their actual body age. Whereas a woman, a girl is more likely to be sort of the age or above of their chronological age. So I guess with that in mind, that might be a reason that they learn to mask quicker. I don't know. There's people out there that, that also say, well, you know, girls are conditioned very young. To act certain ways in society naturally even at school when they're reading magazines online you know there's a, there's a way that girls are supposed to present and they pick it up quite quickly and that can be why an autistic girl will very quickly learn that these things will make me stick out and i don't want to stick out in a negative way and they they try to hide it but the thing with masking that i think a lot of people don't understand is it's not conscious you don't know you're doing it it's something that you automatically learn to do when you go through difficulties showing your traits or just trying to cope with your traits so it's not something that you know i don't sit there and go right i'm gonna i'm gonna mask i'm gonna hide the fact that i don't like making eye contact um no it just notice that i don't like the feeling so i try and find ways not to offend the other person by trying to look like i'm listening 
without looking in her eyes. So that's just a tiny little example, but I think it's really key to understand that it's not a conscious effort, so people don't therefore pick up that they're even doing it, and it comes quite a shock, really. I know now I've been processing the ADHD diagnosis that I can look back for years and go over my childhood and see photos and be like, oh my goodness, yeah, I might be smiling in that picture, but it was not a good time for me. I was not at my house. I was full of anxiety. I was wondering why everyone else found it so easy, you know, like a girl guy camp or something, and I'm really struggling here. And that is a fake smile. And I can see in those eyes that I was really unhappy. And I cried a lot those days. And do you know, it, it just kind of hits me in a different way now. But I can see why I didn't like it. What traits were pushed to their limits in certain situations. I just thought I was weird, quiet, shy, awkward. Didn't realise. And wish I did know. Because I might have liked myself or at least accepted myself a bit more than I have done for the past 38 years. So... It's a tough one, really. There's also other ideas as well where people sort of surmise. I mean, I've been reading Attitude. I love their, their articles. They have so much about ADHD and autism. And they sometimes talk about female autistic traits and why women are kind of missed a lot more than males. And I think in one particular article, which I will I will add at the, in the bottom of the show notes, they do talk about a lot of women will go to doctors, but doctors who even are, they are qualified, but they will be sceptical because they read the DSM-5, the diagnostic criteria, like I said, is mainly about boys and men. Um, so where there are some neurological variations, they won't pick it up and they'll just say, oh, they're, on, they're anxious, they are depressed, and they won't clock it. Now, how many women, including myself, who've gone years of trying antidepressants, been told they've got anxiety disorders and, and just nothing ever works... Because actually, the autism and the depression were symptoms and comorbidities of me having these conditions that I didn't know. They might even be because of the trauma of having them. Who knows? But it's very common to have anxiety disorders alongside autism, but also alongside ADHD. Very common to get depression, whether it's because it's so depressing to cope with these conditions, especially when you don't know you have them, or if it's just the way the brain is wired, or if you know serotonin, dopamine issues, well, I, don't, I don't know. But I think looking at it, autistic women and women with ADHD can share a lot of similar traits. And these include things like executive functioning challenges, which I have a lot of. <laughs> and those can be things like struggling to plan things, to focus, to keep attention, to remember instructions you know, to manage multiple tasks. And these could be really little ones, like trying to make a pat lunch for your child while you're also trying to deal with breakfast and make sure they've got dressed. For a lot of people, that's quite easy and it's step by step. But with ADHD and autism, it can be really difficult to juggle those different things. And executive dysfunction can be quite a lot of different things. It can be having problems with your self-awareness, so not knowing that you've got problems, you know, not knowing that you feel ill until it's really bad, not knowing that you're stressed or overwhelmed until you're actually going crazy at people. And, you know, with all the good in the world, I've been through so many therapies and self-care and self-help books and courses where it's all about, you know, step back when you are going from a naught to a three and you're starting, you know, notice that you're starting to tense a little bit, you're starting to feel a bit angry. Well, for ADHD, and I suspect I haven't looked at that bit, but for autism as well, you can go from 0 to 100 straight away. There is no warning signs. 
you're triggered, your brain, the way it's wired, it just goes naught to 100 straight away. So there's no time to notice that my hands are tensing or my teeth are gritting or I'm starting to feel a bit sick or my eyes are bulging because I'm starting to get annoyed. I don't know, you don't see any of that. So when they're trying to teach you traits which rely on self-awareness, but you have a neurological condition where you don't have much self-awareness, it's really hard. And that's where the guilt and shame of who I am and how I parent and how I am as a person, it's a constant cycle. You know, executive dysfunction is also things like self-restraint. You can't inhibit yourself very well. You'd be very impulsive and do things or say things that you think, why did I do that? Oh my God, I've done it again. I've said that and I shouldn't have said that and I can't take it back. And that's the thing that's supposed to stay in my head. Or why did I just buy that? I'm never going to use it. It's those sort of things. We do it hugely. It's not just every now and then. You're not having a good non-verbal working memory. Really hard to hold things in your mind and keep it there. Literally, I will have something in my mind. I'll go into that room and get that. As soon as I've stepped into that room, my brain is completely forgot. Now, I know that's something that a lot of people do when they get older. But with this, it's all the time. It's literally your your eyes spotting a different environment can completely take that memory out of your head. And you can't get it back. And it's very, very annoying and upsetting at times. You know, our emotions, it's very hard to connect with emotions. That's another executive dysfunction. Not having the motivation to do things. Self-motivation being really hard to find over anything, even things you desperately want. But you just can't do it. You know, struggles with problem solving. All that sort of stuff. Both conditions have that issue. Both conditions have issues with sensory processing. Now, a lot of people assume sensory processing is purely autistic. But actually, you can have sensory processing issues when you have ADHD on its own. And this can be a manner of things. This can be you not liking certain sounds, smells, tastes, colours, textures, might not like clothing on your skin, you're feeling the labels can really do your head in and you just want to cut them out. It can be things like sensory seeking stuff where you really want crunchy food or you really want spicy food and you go to the extreme Um, or you could be the alternative where you don't want any, you have a very bland diet, not even a hint of pepper. You know, there's so many different things. Sensory processing disorder is a huge neurological condition. It tends to be a comorbidity of these two conditions. You know, like I said, well, I could hear the fridge tapping. It's driving me insane because I don't usually hear it during the day. But I'm doing this at night in my dressing gown, not the need to know. And it's doing my head in. And I do apologise for anyone with the same sensory issues. I was thinking, gosh, she should have edited that out. I, I don't have the skills. I don't have the time. I don't have the money to buy the special software. Which, you know, if anyone wants to help out, you can always donate to buy me a coffee, PayPal, Cash App. I've set them all up and they're all on the Instagram and I'll put them in the show notes because every little helps. Obviously, I do this for my pleasure and for love, but at the same time, it does cost money to try to do. And hey, I'm a low-income single parent is. <laughs> Not that I'm begging, but the money would go definitely to the pod and keeping it going. And me trying to buy a software so to make this so much easier because I am not good at focusing on the editing side of this. Hence why I was also a bit behind. So I apologise. Anywho, and I still haven't learned how to break these podcasts up with like a little bit of music in the middle because... Just hearing my voice go on and on must be boring. I do apologise. Unless you're like me and you pause a bit after you've listened to 20 minutes and then you pick it up another day when you're walking the dog or something. You know, that's probably the best way to deal with me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But anyway, sensory processing is a big one and it can come in so many ways. 
even things like not liking your hair being brushed or loving it you know not liking tight clothes i really hate tight clothes the older i'm getting it's getting I'm, i think i'm just i'm masking a little bit and being like look i don't need to wear those jeans yes it may look good but it doesn't feel good and then i get a little bit tetchy if i start to get a bit bloated or if i've had lunch and then i'm bloated and because i don't like the feeling around my stomach digging in or around my thighs or whatever you know some people don't like bright lights i have a huge aversion to bright lights soft lighting all the time used to feel sick at school and in offices because I could not take the lighting. Oh my goodness, the lighting. I've got abdominal migraines from them. So at home, the very small lamps that are on in my house at night, I cannot stand bright lights. But yet I would like the sunshine outside when it's bright. I like being out in it. It's a different, it's this natural light. It's very different. I don't like loud noises unless I want them. Like I know I'm going to put some music on quite loud. And it's music I want to hear. I do not like crowds and noise the the worst thing is people eating i have misophonia people eat eat near me my head instantly wants to explode and i want to hurt them and i've always been like that and i've never understood what it was i thought i was a bit odd but i cannot stand it it makes me so so unhappy it's painful and it's really bizarre but yeah that's just a tiny list of sensory stuff and i won't bore you with more but you know other similarities with adhd and autism are things like social difficulties struggling to have conversations maintain friendships not say the wrong thing oversharing and there's also a higher rate of learning disorders for both conditions so that can be you know learning disabilities can be quite a massive range whether that's dyslexia dyscalculia dysgraphia if i can say those things properly there's so many where people can struggle with writing words, numbers, reading, mathematical things. I mean, I'm not a fan of maths. I've struggled with it. I had to really focus and get lots of extra help in the end. But I did, I passed everything very well. But I had the uh, fear of failure, which is another trait. So I overstressed myself to ensure I did not fail anything because I could not cope with it if I did. So that's a little bit different. But there's so many, but they are comorbidities of these conditions. Dyslexia is a massive one for ADHD in particular. So it's always worth noticing if people have those things. But the dual diagnosis is is a common one of having ADHD and autism. And I'm really fascinated by it. Stimming, I thought, was just autistic. But actually, it's also ADHD. But the more I've researched, it can be different styles of stimming. So with ADHD, it can be like tap, tap, tap to a beat. So you're sitting there with a pencil on the table and you're bang, 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 bang. Or you're shaking your leg quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a knee shaker, definitely. Always have been at school. But whereas, and it's kind of that repetitive, noisy thing um, to a beat. Whereas with autism, it tends to be more feelings-based. So rubbing your fingertips together, swirling your fingers around, ripping your skin, which I do, biting nails, I do that. Currently, my fingers are ripped to shreds because it's been a long, hard two weeks and they're constantly (laughs) sore. It can be rubbing your toes together, especially when you're in bed. Just rubbing the feet together, that's a big one. Holding out a random arm up in the air for a bit. Or a random leg in the air. (laughs) There's so many different ways of stimming. Twirling your hair. I do that quite a lot. With ADHD, it might be quite common to repeat a song or a, a sentence or a specific word constantly like you're on loop. And stimming is a way of calming yourself and soothing yourself. It's a repetitive action. It stimulates yourself. And a lot of people will say, well, how can it be soothing to rip your skin? I do not know. I just know that whenever I'm anxious, the nails suddenly are gone. They're bitten, ripped, whatever. The skin around them, the cuticles are completely pulled off. 
my feet the same. It's just, I don't know why. But that seems to be something that then calms me. It's, yeah. Anyway, looking at autism for females in particular, I think the biggest things are that we camouflage and it can make it really hard to diagnose. So that's why I wanted to sort of look at the different types of traits that are more common for females. I'm just interrupting this episode to say thank you for listening. I really hope you like it so far. I don't make money from creating this podcast currently and I've always wanted to keep it free, inclusive and accessible for everybody so you can hopefully benefit from it as much as I do. It takes many hours to record, edit and maintain the podcast and there are costs incurred through things like recording and editing equipment, maintaining it online and getting tech help where needed, which I do need sometimes because I'm not tech savvy. I know times are hard, but if you're in a position to donate the price of a coffee, or even lower than that, every little helps me to keep this podcast free and accessible for all. To donate, simply go to the link in our bio on this podcast service you're listening from, or go to the Linktree website and search for MindVoxPod. This link is also on the bio of our Instagram and Facebook pages, which are also found by searching MindVoxPod. For those not in a position to do any of this, which is absolutely fine, you can help by following and sharing the pod across social media, telling your friends about us and rating and reviewing it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and please enjoy the rest of the episode. I did recently read a book. Well, I didn't read it because I struggle to read nowadays. The bookworm who exhausted the library by the age of nine and went on to the adult books now cannot hold her focus for a book and she misses that dearly audiobooks now and podcasts are the way I learn. So I did download Dr. Devon Price's Unmasking Autism and I cried through most of it. Dr. Devon Price is non-binary and referred to as they and they were born a woman but now use testosterone and, and such like because they identify more male and Dr. Devon Price did a lot of extensive research because they are autistic and had a whole chapter on female autism in particular and it just blew me away with the amount of different traits and I was crying my eyes out just like this is all making sense now and why did I never know and I really do advise anyone if you're into books take a look at that one and uh, there is also a traits checklist which is not an official one but um, a lady called Samantha Craft who is diagnosed with both conditions I think did an extensive and I'm talking extensive list of all the autistic traits that she has found and by talking to other people who are female autistics and doing a lot of reading up on it and has created a massive list of traits which these days even some doctors are finding very useful when trying to assess females. I looked at that it was massive and I could identify with most of them so it was quite eye-opening really. I think the traits go from things like that it's in different sections but things like if you're a deep thinker do you write poetry? Are you quite highly intelligent? Do you analyse your existence, the meaning of life and everything continually? Because that is a big thing. And I've done that a lot. Even as a teenager, I used to cry about the meaning of life and where will, where will I end up and what's the point of it? To the point that I would get quite massive depression. Things like, do you ever, everything you do is, is complex. Can you get lost in your thoughts and you sort of check out a lot? You know, section B is all about being innocent. Are you naive, honest, seen as quite gullible? You know, things like that. Have people abused or taken advantage of you in any way quite often? Can you feel quite overwhelmed a lot? And do you find it difficult to understand when people are trying to be manipulative? There's so many things like that. 
there are also areas like escape and friendship so are you a person that had imaginary friends in your youth i didn't have those but i would often sort of dialogue myself and imagine if people were there what i would say but i didn't have an imaginary friend unless i've forgotten but do you escape through mental processing do you have obsessions or are you over interested in subjects do you daydream a lot there's, there's, there's loads I wouldn't want to bore you with all of it but it's amazing do you have generalised anxiety yes some people have OCD sensory issues yes you know sense of pending danger or doom eating disorders irritable bowel syndrome chronic fatigue do you, you know have you been diagnosed with any mental health conditions it's massive have you had bouts of depression ever since puberty which I have you know do you always have issues with right and wrong and you can't like shut up if someone says like even something small that's wrong and you think that that doesn't i've got a huge justice sensitivity issue that's a whole nother episode but there's other sections about social interactions or bringing subjects back to yourself do you do that i mean i probably do that but not because i want to talk about myself but i don't quite understand i assume that's what you do in a conversation and only when I've been seeing some recent TikToks where people are like, when someone's telling you something, do you wish relate it back to a similar thing you've had? And I'm like, isn't that normal? But apparently not. I'm like, well, what are you supposed to say then if you're not supposed to bring in your own experience from the things they're talking about? But apparently that's not how we converse. So I'd love someone to tell me how we're supposed to. But that's a sign of um, autism, I think. But there's other things like training yourself in social interactions. I do try and script a lot about to do a phone call what do i need to say i note down i try and think of how to say it if i need to ask someone for something i i'm really not yeah i do try and script if i'm annoyed with someone i will have imaginary conversations with them in the car and i've full-blown this is all my points but i guarantee i won't say it to them because i won't say it as well because i won't be as calm or it just never gets spoken but i'll have multiple conversations with someone who doesn't know i'm having conversations with them because it's just myself maybe i shouldn't admit that one <laughs> But there's so many, are we talking, oh, I, I don't know how many, someone must have counted these, but there's so many. I'd really advise you have a good look because it's so detailed, which is amazing because it really helps look into the insights of could this be something that I have really. And in terms of ADHD and autism, they are very different. I know that I sometimes wonder if they are the same thing, but I, spe- I suppose they are in the family of each other because I know that they found that a lot of people assume that they are the same thing, but there is a clear distinction with specific traits. There are separate neurological differences, and they can both exist in the same person. They do think that the two conditions might have a biological connection, which is why a lot of people have both. So yeah, sisters, brothers, whatever you want to call them, long-distance cousins, who knows? But it's a big thing, and for me, I just didn't realise how many people could have both and it's really opened my eyes and i suspect there's a hell of a lot more people than they even suggest in themselves i think because of the biological connection but when looking at sort of autism in, in diagnosing that specifically the person must have significant difficulty with things like social interaction and communication and, and they're supposed to apparently have you know unusually restricted or repetitive patterns of behavior or interests so special interest is a big one where someone might be into something and have been into it intensely and it's really important it could be one or two things for some people it might be something like i don't know doctor who and they've loved it as a kid but even as an adult they collect everything it's really good or a certain singer or a certain hobby you know like photography and they're really keen into it now i thought hang on i don't think i've got any special interests or can't be autistic but actually for some people the special interest doesn't stay the same one 
particularly if you have ADHD, because ADHDers will hyper-focus on something for a while, then get bored and be on to the next new thing. So the countless things that I've gone and done training on and courses and bought all the stuff and then months later I've never touched it again. There's a lot. So I was like, there's no way I can be autistic, but actually you can be someone that has a special interest and it's a few months or a few years and then you change it to something else. So now that I know that, I'm like, oh, okay, because there are certain things that have lasted a little while. Not forever, but a lot of them are in the same type of category. So human psychology is something I'm fascinated with because a lot of the things that I have gone and trained myself in are all to do with mental health, the human mind, how people interact with each other. Psychology in general is just, there's always that in the background. So that probably is my special interest, one of my special interests. And I've always had a huge affiliation with music. Music is the only way I can get my emotions out. It's the only way that I can truly feel things and reflect on things it's got to have the right lyrics and the right sound i can get lost in it it can calm me down it can relieve me it does so much and sadly recently i just haven't been listening to music don't have a cd player in my car anymore i used to always have loads of cds in my old cars and i'd wear them out on different occasions required different lyrics to try to feel certain ways and i miss that i don't want to pay for, you know the spotify's and all that i don't have the money these days it's not the same thing just putting a cd in choosing what i want really easily but yeah those sort of things mean that can be more likely to be autism i think discomfort making and maintaining eye contact is a big one for me and it's quite a big thing being quite logical with how you think you know having a tendency to be extremely literal now i didn't think i was literal but i am in certain ways and not in every way so i can understand things like sarcasm and i can understand ambiguity I can understand certain things, but there are times where I will take things literally that the others probably wouldn't. And I'm very black or white with my thinking, which is a big one. But the big important thing to remember is if you've met one autistic person, you've only met one autistic person. Just the same, the same quote can be used for ADHD. No two people with autism present the same. Even if they are biologically related, they, they will not present the same. So I may have a certain amount of traits, but then someone else will have some similar. They might also have stimming behaviors but they'll be very different they might have sound sensitivities but it what won't be the, my type of sound sensitivities they might be absolutely fine hearing someone eat but a loud banging noise will drive them crazy or subtle tiny sounds that other people don't hear i do hear very tiny things i noticed when my car had a weird sound months and months before any mechanic or my partner picked it up because it was so tiny but i knew it wasn't the sound that my car usually makes and it took a good eight months before it got so loud because something was obviously going wrong that then everyone else could hear it. You know, there's so many I could list off, but I'm not going to bore you. But it's a really interesting thing to look at. And I don't like that we are in a current climate where a lot of people assume autism means you're not very clever or you're very, very good at maths and science. Yeah, I'm good at them too, but actually I can't stand them and I struggle with them. And I had to force myself to learn how to be good at them. I am naturally better at English and art and things like that. And that's completely opposite to what the stereotype is of, of things like autism and ADHD. I hate that people will assume that certain people in the limelight who display a lot of difficulties, a lot of behaviours and a lot of diagnoses in one, where they struggle to talk, to regulate their behaviours, they can be violent, they assume that everyone is like that if they're autistic. That's not the case at all. It comes in many, many forms, just like ADHD does. You know, I'm not someone that runs around quite like crazy. I can watch a film. I don't run around and constantly not listen to people. Well, 
listening in. Maybe I'll take that one back. I do not always listen. It depends on the subject. But we're not all that little boy running around that can't sit still and fidgets all the time. We're not all like that at all. And it really is quite eye-opening how little, and it's quite scary, how little a lot of professionals do not understand females with these conditions. And no wonder so many are not diagnosed or are diagnosed very late on in life. I cannot stand it. I mean, there are there are so many myths going around, like autistic people can't feel empathy. Well, that's not true. Some autistic people struggle, and they appear to have no empathy, but they'll have it. It's just probably only on specific things, or they don't know how to verbalise it, or they show it differently to other people. There are also a lot of autistics who are the opposite end, and they actually get, I don't know if it's a diagnosis or they affiliate with a high, highly sensitive person. It's a bigger argument that um, a lot of doctors are saying that high, highly sensitive people, it's not HSP doesn't exist, it's actually autism. So, you know, think what you will of that. But there's a lot of people that are very empathic to the point where it drains them when other people are upset around them. It overstimulates them. They feel intensely the pain or the anger or the anxiety or whatever the, the emotion is that, that the other person in the room feels. And it wipes them out. I know someone like that. And he struggles really badly with that. And then he takes on everyone's feelings and it wears him out and it's horrible. You know, this is a tricky one. What I essentially wanted to bring up was it is really, really different. And I really want to open up the conversation a little bit. I am and have been interviewing some autistic women, which I'm really excited about. I think the next one I'll be editing is an, an amazing autistic journalist. And she talks a little bit about how she was diagnosed and sensory issues with food, which I think is really, really, really interesting. So please look out for that one. I am awaiting an assessment, and I'll probably be waiting for about four years, because you know the NHS at the moment is, and to be fair, there's a debate on, do you need the diagnosis at the age I am? Some people choose to just remain self-diagnosed, and I get really irritated when people make the judgment that if people are self-diagnosed, they've just watched a couple of TikToks and think they know what they don't know. People don't want to diagnose themselves easily. They don't want to diagnose themselves with conditions they don't have. I know some people allegedly might do, but with something like this, you kind of go down a massive loophole for like a year, reading, listening to things, watching videos, lots of research, watching documentaries. Chris Packham has done an amazing documentary over the last couple of weeks. It'll be on BBC iPlayer, and I think it's called My Autistic Mind. And he looks at four very different autistic people, men and women, and they have very different traits, and they communicate what it's like for them. And it's really powerful, and I really suggest if you want to learn more about it. And the first episode actually has a female, and she is a comedian, I think, and she's not your conventional, what you would stereotypically think is autistic and that's why it's really powerful so i totally recommend that but it's really important to look at and start having the conversation of what it looks like and how different it can be for everyone i hate the terms high functioning low functioning and actually they have got rid of those terms but some people still use them just because someone like me can theoretically do things like this podcast and can be educated and have a degree does not mean i function highly i could spend an hour chatting to someone on the podcast and then be very drained for two days because it overstimulated me having to have that conversation, having to listen, having to show I'm listening, having to make eye contact, having to concentrate and think of how to say things. It's it's exhausting and it's not about function. It's about support needs you, you want. So now I think they've turned it into a level of support tier. I think there's three tiers. And saying, oh, you know, I'm an autistic with low 
level support needs or high level or mid support needs it's it's a massive spectrum just like adhd is so different for everyone else no one is the same and we need to start talking about it more hence why i thought i'd do this one the spare of the moment didn't write anything to prod myself to make sure i stayed on topic so i apologize if it's boring i didn't put any jingle in the middle like i should to break it up a little bit but i wanted to really talk about it and start to open the conversation i find it i'm learning more and more about it all the time and at times i think is this my adhd or is this my autism i don't have the autistic diagnosis but i am now at the point after so much research for over a year now where i can safely say that i am confident i have autism for some reason i find it a little bit harder to just to than the adhd and i don't know why i think a part of it is with adhd there's the possibility of improvement with medication with autism there is no medication to ease some of the symptoms there is no set way of trying to reduce it that i've noticed and yeah it's really odd because for some of the younger generations when i've talked about it with people who i suspect might have both they are happy we're talking teenagers here they're happy to accept they might have adhd but they don't want to accept they have autism whereas i think my generation is the other way around a lot of them are more accepting of the autism but adhd was stereotypically always seen when we were growing up as people assuming that it didn't exist and it's just bad parenting and no boundaries so it's it's kind of turned I mean, obviously, I accept both, and I have no problem with having both, but emotionally, for some reason, the autism one struck hard. They both struck hard, don't get me wrong, but I've, I don't know. I, don't know. I wonder if it's because there's, there's, no, there's nothing you can take or do that will necessarily reduce it to make life a little easier. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's... I hate the stigma for both of them, but I find when I've sometimes said to people I'm autistic, the word, the way they speak to me changes doesn't when i say adhd i find that well adhd i kind of get eyes rolled or no you're so still and chilled and like it's a bit more mocked and not believed whereas autism they literally start talking to me like i'm stupid i spoke to a customer services person (laughs) i don't know if i've said this before and i said to her look this is really stressing me out it's really making my anxiety high and you know i have autism i struggle with stuff like this i really need to know when someone's going to fix it it's been a week or whatever as soon as i said the word autism she's changed the way she spoke and she started talking so slow and loud i'm sorry and like that and i'm like i sorry what (laughs) did i tell you that i have a hearing problem or you're talking too fast and i don't understand what you're saying because i didn't say those things and i just it really upset me so I think it's people's assumptions and the stigmas that are still out there are really challenging and can, I think, be why a lot of people don't want to explore getting actual diagnosis. I think it's a scary thing because they might have to admit it to people like at work and they don't want people to see them differently. So I really want this narrative to change. I want it to be something that if they have got it, they're not worried, scared, anxious to reveal it in fear of being looked at like they're dumb or you know unable to process conversation because it's not what it is for so many people so that's me on my soapbox today i apologize it's not it's not been full of me talking to other people <laughs> it's just me but thank you for still being here sorry that i haven't been around for a couple of weeks i never ever set out to do it definitely once a week every week it just became that because i started interviewing a lot of people but at times i'm going to need to take a break and at times life is going to get overwhelming and i'm going to literally not have time so 
I've had so much going on that I've literally not been on my computer. I've hardly been on social media. I've hardly been on my phone. So it's not getting any easier. But I've I've been feeling guilty. And I'm like, I have to come on. I have to do something. Because I really want to as well. I love doing it. So I have got a few interviews lined up. I'm very excited. I'm getting back into the swing of it a bit. If there's any topics you want me to look at. Or any people that you think, do you know what? I really want to try and interview that person. I'd love to hear them talk about something specific. Let me know and I'll try and contact them and see if they'll come on obviously like i said before if you ever want to donate anything even if it's the price of a coffee i do like a mocha i must admit there's three different places and on my instagram and in the show notes i'll put the links to those because every little helps keep this going if you don't have any money and that is absolutely fine you can really donate your time by just sharing the pod on your socials so going to mindbox pod on twitter instagram facebook sharing any of our posts on your own feed you know, telling people about the pod, who you think might want to listen, that that is priceless, and that is way more meaningful to me than you know, even donating a pound. Or, you know, actually recommending this, you know, rating it, reviewing it, following the pod, giving it stars if they if you're listening to it on a service that does that, giving it an actual written review if you're on a streaming service that does that. That is amazing and means so much, and it means that it gets out there a little bit more to other people who might benefit from it, and that's the thing. I want people to feel less alone. I want people to find their community with, with me and all the people that I interview and people that tell us their amazing journeys. I want people to feel that this is a safe space to learn about things that maybe they or their family have or, you know, a place to feel that they are not alone and not different. And that is my big aim. So any sharing you can do would be much, much appreciated. Any feedback, always DM me, email me, whatever. All the stuff's on the on the show notes love to hear from people absolutely love it when people have questions or great feedback it really helps me want to keep doing this and not feel like i'm just boring people with my voice with the old imposter syndrome so thank you for listening i hope you guys are okay i hope you're enjoying march now can't believe we're in march and stay tuned because the next one's going to be a really good interview and i really hope you enjoy it if you've liked this episode please help us out by liking subscribing or leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people. If you've got any ideas about topics to cover on future episodes, or questions about the pod, or you even want to be interviewed for it, please get in touch on our socials using at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, or email us on mindvoxpod at gmail.com.